Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Okay, I guess we are live. Jez gave me the green light. So welcome, everybody, to uh, this month's Xbox 2 Plus One. I'm one of your hosts, Randall Thor 19 the man with a million. And with me, as always, we have Jez Corden sitting on a major leak, managing editor, Windows <laughs> Central. What's going on, buddy? Hey, man. Like, I, I love it. Like, today was, like, relatively quiet. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I had everything under control. I done all my assignments that I had to do. You know, and you know it's prime day right now, so it's it's a busy time, busy time in the Windows Central world, and uh, and then the last hour when I was just preparing for this show, I got, I got a interesting leak land in my lap. And it's like, oh god, I got I got to do this, but then it's like, oh god, but I I got this podcast coming up, so hopefully we can juggle everything and get through it together. You know, that's right. And um, our our guest. He's uh, familiar with with Prime Day, I think, because Digital Foundry, Deals Foundry, is popping off on Twitter right now, and I think we should <laughs> introduce the, uh, the the excellent John Linneman to the to the show. Gentlemen, thanks for having me as the plus one this episode. I look forward to discussing many things today, and yeah, shout out to Will Judd over there at Deals Foundry for popping off with all those Amazon Prime deals. Yeah, There's some good stuff over there today, actually. There, there is, and, and Deals Foundry is, is, is a vicious competitor in the Deals, the deals race Uh-oh. today. Uh-oh. Uh, indeed. The Deals race. The Deals race, yes. Yeah. We're, we're, all, we're all slaves to Amazon and Google in this business. But, um, but yeah, for those who don't know, John Linneman, of course, uh, from uh, Digital Foundry, uh, you know, the... <laughs> pretty much the industry leader in um you know visual visual anal- anal- analysis Ooh. from get for, for I like games the sound of that. It, it, I'll take it's it. true though right it's true you, you are the leader right no yeah i guess so we've been we've at least been doing it the longest that's for darn sure yeah uh it has been so many years Indeed. but we're still going still happily making content uh most of the time anyways and yeah it's been a pretty good year i i must say what 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 do you recall like 
like the impetus of you of you joining Digital Foundry or starting Digital Foundry? Oh, like as like, sure. oh hey, you know, this is just like me and Jez. We just did a podcast just because we were friends, and here we are six years later, and it's doing pretty well. And you never know when you start something that it could blow up. So well, when you first started Digital Foundry, do you have any idea that it would become the juggernaut that it oh, basically well. has become? I wish I could take credit for starting it, but I I joined on in 2013 after uh, the main man, Richard Ledbetter, got it off the ground before that, although I did help change it a lot by basically doing the quote-unquote pivot to video, as they say, uh, which we did in 2015. But yeah, I mean, DF has been... It started out, I think, as like a service for producing like those like magazine pack-in DVDs and such like that. I think this is what Richard did first, and then he started doing this kind of like game version comparison stuff on Eurogamer, maybe even on a blog first. But I don't know if you're uh, familiar with Richard outside of uh, DF, but like he's like an establishment in the UK. I've come to learn in terms of just like in the games journalism space. He's been doing it since oh, like man. 1990. He, so he is like he's, uh, like he's still every. Doing it. Every event I go to with regards to Xbox, his name seems to get mentioned by Xbox staff or <laughs> Xbox figures. You know, John said this, John oh, yeah. said that. So, yeah, he's um he's definitely an institution. That the you know, and um obviously you all do really super great work over there. Well, thank um, you. Like we try. Yeah, like, but I suppose one thing. I I got I got to mention this man. I got I got I got to ask. Please. Because it's sort of like one one thing that always comes up and, and it, no matter how neutral the language you guys use, no matter how neutral the reporting is, no matter how like, you know, sort <laughs> of <laughs> the so, as the use the softest language possible, it always Digital Foundry always seems to come up in console wars. Like do you guys like you guys yeah. were aware of that, right? How do you yeah, guys how do you guys a, deal with all that stuff? The thing is, is like I've spent the last years trying to even change that. Like like at least me personally and for the channel as well, we've kind of tried to shift away from just doing comparison videos. Cause that's that is what it was built on, but like uh I think it's actually become less interesting lately mm. because I would argue that games are just like good on everything right yeah. to varying degrees yeah it wasn't unless like it's the a three... really bad release it wasn't like the 360 gen where you know, ps3 has some awful ports yeah. that could barely yeah. hit yes. any frame rate whatsoever or even early xbox one ps4 with one you know 1080 yeah basically or 900 pre xbox was... one x it was pretty bad for the xbox one but like ever since then i feel like there have been differences but the differences are somewhat trivial which is why df has kind of shifted away from i mean we still do it because some people expect it obviously and it is valuable information when picking up games but like the main focus now has become more on like what makes the technology behind these games interesting uh, we want to highlight and like really showcase and explain this stuff of course we also like to discuss the the pros and cons and highlight issues like the whole stutter struggle thing on pc we've kind of started a crusade on that but it's really just about deepening and understanding as best as we can, kind of like acting as a go-between between, you know, game development and, you know, the people that are playing them. Uh, because for me personally, that's I find that stuff really interesting. 
that's the kind of stuff I really enjoy talking about these days. That and retro, of course. Retro, you know? <laughs> yeah. I can't retro. can't help that. <laughs> so I gotta. So when you when you make your videos, I know I I believe you're working on a Forza video, right? A Forza uh, comparison. No, right video. now, no. Right now, I'm actually doing uh, the Spider Man. Oh, the, the Spider Man. Spider Man. The Spider Man's. I can't say anything. Don't ask. Right, right, right. No, no, we're not gonna ask. We're not gonna ask. I know. There's, I know. There's Forza videos on. It's the an channel. Xbox podcast. Right. Well, I mean, we're still. I'm still gonna be playing Spider Man Day One. Yeah, yeah. You know. Of course. I'll, some I'll people when like, comes how to dare you? How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm always super impressed by um, you know quality of the videos and how much you put into it. Like on a typical a typical video, one that you've done before, um, how long do you normally spend collecting the footage, playing the game to get oh you know grip, putting it together? On average, how long do you, do you work on like a, a a project? Like how many hours? So it's it's a variable schedule depending on both the size of the video, um, you know, the size of the game in question, and how important it is to us personally. So like let's let's take uh, like a normal big AAA release, like when Starfield came out. I spent about a week and a half to almost two weeks, I think just uh putting it together so that included lots of playing the game uh capturing as much footage as i can along the way which by the way every project takes up an obscene amount of storage space i go through like terabytes and terabytes and terabytes uh just capturing the footage we need because 4k video it's not small as, no. as you can guess yeah uh so there's that and then of course coming up with what i want to talk about and that is the tricky thing right because uh i i kind of make these videos like i try to envision them as something that's interesting and i want to take people on a journey through the game especially when it's like a big new release and i'm focusing on mainly just one platform which is you know for new games it's my favorite thing to do it's just kind of like because i remember when i would see like the arrival of a new game and read a new review or read some kind of, or like watch a video on something, it would always get me kind of hyped for what I was about to play. And I want to bring that sort of like excitement and understanding to like, here's what I think the developer behind this game was trying to do. And here's how successful they were or were not in doing so. So it's, you know, spending, it just, so what if you add up about a week and a half to two weeks working probably 10 hours a day on average uh yeah it's a lot of time that is that is a lot of time (laughs) so this this is what this is why i blog right because it's like 15 minutes in 15 minutes out (laughs) so you guys being video editors right right it's it's, have you seen that meme where it's like there's a dude sweating playing some game and then there's another streamer playing playing some easy game like stardew valley Kind of what video yeah. editing, what blogging is compared to, I think. Dude, it's just, I feel like we've kind of made our own bed because, like, for me, like, I like video editing a lot and I can't do it with every video. And this is something I've had to walk back is like, when I do a DF Retro episode, I put so much into that in just terms of filming and, and like really trying to make something that stands as a piece that people would want to watch for years, even. Uh, that takes so much out of you, but I kept trying to bring that to all the videos for a while, as much as I could anyway, and it just got to be so much. And so I've had to like kind of have a more dynamic scale, like dynamic resolution scaling, but for my own like 
work-life balance <laughs> uh, so I don't burn myself out. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean... you know, that, that's why sometimes I'll do like, all right, after Starfield, I'm going to do a little preview video. I guess for, the Forza stuff happened right after that, which was not low stress. But usually I try to pick slightly less intense games after I've covered a big one, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, just to kind of cool down after that. Yeah, I but, I kind of do the same thing. Like sometimes I'll I'll break up a grind of reviews with you know some new news posts or something like that. Although it's not exactly no, no, it on the same scale of well, complexity. Although I mean, new news posting, man, that is a game that I cannot play. Like that is that is a tough business, and so respect to that. <laughs> I yeah, I, I, it be, it helps if you're an insomniac with that with that role. It's like yeah, you you just constantly. Oh, no, there's no, yeah, there's no set working hours, but you never sleep. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's, I do have some of the, the most tiniest insight about how much effort goes into these kind of videos, because when, when we came to do our, I think it was our, was it our Xbox Series X review? Yeah, when we did our Xbox Series X review, I was like, okay, I really want this to be a great review. So I really want to, I really want to have a frame rate graph thing and a side by side video comparison like oh. digital foundry and i was like okay how hard can it be <laughs> <laughs> oh boy <laughs> and um yeah. you know like uh i don't know if you've heard have you heard of teardrop it's like a, i have i've it, used it yeah like i've i never used it before and i, I was i'm trying to like it's like for those who don't know teardrop's like a it's like an open open source github sort of um frame analyzer and I don't know exactly how accurate it is, but I, I'm just kind of hoping it would just at least give um, some context. <laughs> so I, I will say teardrop, it can be completely accurate, but it's a, and this is something we face too. It's, it's a matter of garbage in garbage out. You have to know what you're feeding it yeah. and what the algorithm is ready to accept. And if you feed the wrong thing into it, it's going to give results that are wrong. And that's, uh, not to say you've done it. There's been, there's been some other channels that have used teardrop and I look at the results and it's, you know, you can off. easily tell that they're wrong. The frame time graphs don't look right, and you're like, okay, that's not right. Uh, because there's something wrong with the capture, the input that went into it. And that's not Teardrop's fault. That's just yeah, like a... the video. That's an experience thing as well. Like, if you've not really done this much... Like, in my early days of doing DF stuff, I would constantly submit things. And I always used to, like, kind of brace myself for the feedback from Rich... And he's like, yeah, the frame time graphs are here, 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 and here. It's all wrong. So you messed something up kind of in a much nicer way. But it was like, you know, I was getting ready for that feedback because like he, he just sees it. And I do too now. But at the time, it's like, oh, gosh, is there, is there going to be a problem? And our, our tools have improved a lot, thankfully. And they're quite, uh, they do a lot for us now. But back in the day, in the early days of, of it, you know, when a game had tearing, for instance, I remember working on Shadow Warrior, you know, the reboot? Yeah, yeah. That came that. to consoles, and it had so much screen tearing, and the way it was tearing the screen didn't work that well with our tools, so I had to manually go through each clip and mark all the torn frames using, like, heat maps <laughs> and, like, you know, like, inverted frames and just, like, literally put in every single torn frame by hand, and it was the worst thing ever. Oh, man. That sounds <laughs> painful. But, yeah, it's So, like... yeah. I have a question. I, you know, I know you've been doing digital foundry for a long time, but I'm sure there has to be ten years a, a career defining moment for you. Where you know, I know you got tons of subs. You get your videos are watched by millions. 
But there had to have been like that one moment for you where it's like, we've made it or I've made it. You know, like where it's like, I can't believe this happened. Um, Like, you know, like that sort of thing. I I was kind of curious what it would be for you. I guess it's, um, that's a tricky one. I, I need to think about in the past, but I can say like recently, like, uh, when I was over in Tokyo, I went in to record a podcast with a bunch of folks that are like, you know, industry vets there and a whole room full of them. And the fact that they all actually wanted to talk to me and recognize me and were like excited mm. was like, whoa, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. a, you're like, should I really be here? But it's like, it makes you feel imposter like syndrome, like, right? You yeah. Like yeah. Like, syndrome. wow. Okay. This is great. Uh, moments like that are extremely nice. I would say, cause you know, I mean, you guys probably, you work from home too, right? Yes. On this stuff. So like, you I know, the feeling of you're just, you're slaving away on your PC all day doing this stuff. And all you got is Twitter or whatever they call it these days over there. And that's your feedback. So it's really good to get out and actually talk with others again. No, I, I, guess never, the, I never, that's quite I, insightful. I never really thought about the, the, how the remote working might feed into that. Oh, it's yeah. It's pretty nuts. I would say uh, another moment that was great is uh, when I visited Sunsoft, the Sun Corporation in Japan. You remember Sunsoft, right? Mm, what are they? Vaguely. You know, vaguely. They, they used to do a lot of eight and sixteen bit games, and then they like Blaster Master, the Batman game, stuff like that. But they, uh, they, they're basically back, like making stuff again. And it's still in the old site. And I visited their site there in Japan, and they they really rolled out the red carpet for me in a way I didn't expect. And that was very touching. Just experiencing something like that is awesome. And it makes you like, all right, this is is actually a a cool job to be doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, we've, we've had a bunch of gaming news recently. Like, and, you know, major gaming news and... One of the things that, you know, one of the things we're trying to do with Xbox 2 plus 1 is sort of, because me and Rand, we disagree a lot, but we generally, yeah. generally, <laughs> generally, sometimes have the same overall perspective a little bit. Maybe coming from different angles, I'd say it sometimes, like, um, <laughs> to put it lightly. But, uh, but with Xbox 2 plus 1, we have an opportunity to sort of completely turn that on its head and get like a completely different um perspective a different opinion and you know because sometimes like you you put things out there in a tweet and it's missing a lot of the nuance or the context or even like the the vocal emphases which might sort of uh i don't know help accentuate your point and stuff so um with that in mind how do you feel how are you feeling right now about what is probably going to be this week's biggest news and that's abk finally closing per reports from tom warren how do you feel about all this? Uh, I know that's a broad question, but what are your thoughts about, about it? Are you just tired of about it? About it finally closing? <laughs> yeah. Or just, or just what it could mean for the for Xbox, the landscape of the industry and that kind um, of thing. I mean, I guess it's an interesting thing because uh, when you come to the finish line of something that's that's been sort of a part of gaming discourse for... How, like over a year now, I guess it's been almost a while. Two. Yeah, January almost, of it's been, 2022. It's two almost, years? Are you kidding me? It's almost been. I thought it was two one. years. Yeah. Christ. Christ. Okay. Well, it's uh, 
there's this like feeling of like emptiness like what what can replace this right like this this was the discourse for so long and now here we are but honestly i always kind of expected that this is the way it would go and i was a little surprised that it uh went like took as long of a path to this point that it did but then again maybe that is the system working as intended you know what i mean where it's like there were checks and balances in place and you know, even if it seemed frustrating from the outside, that's that's what they were there to do, and it didn't actually stop anything, right? So, yeah, it um, only got them to change their cloud gaming stuff. Now this Microsoft doesn't own the cloud gaming rights. Ubisoft does. Who would have thought that, huh? That's actually that's pretty funny. Who would have thought that cloud gaming might have been the thing to blow up the whole deal in the first place? Right, especially when it sucks. But <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, yeah, that that is weird. That that does kind of like. I always thought of that as like the these this room full of old men that don't know what they're talking about kind of vibe where like they they're trying to find the thing that they think is the future based on what they might have read on the internets on the interwebs and somehow they picked up on cloud gaming and maybe it will become a big thing at some point but I don't know it's just yeah I think it doesn't really mean too much. To, like, you don't really have a vested interest in ABK or like Call of Duty or Blizzard games, like Jez does. Like, Jez is a "quote unquote" Blizzard fanboy, right? Yeah, I I would put it this way. Um, oh man, I'm not I, I'm not heavily invested in most of their stuff. Most of the Activision stuff I am invested in is are dormant IPs. Mm -hmm. So that would have never had a chance to be revived under normal Activision. Maybe they have a chance now. What you know, IP what would you of, like to be? Yeah. yeah. What what IP okay. would you like to see revived? I would like to see something, anything done with a uh, heretic or hexen. Mm. Yeah. I would uh, like nope. to see full on remasters from Night Dive if they because you know they work with Xbox, they could do that. And then I would actually like to see like someone tackle that theme that we we already have a medieval, which is amazing by the way. Uh, but I would like to see something. Maybe even them. I don't know. Somebody actually tackle like a proper follow up to those, Cause especially Hexen, because that sort of more adventurish first person action game. I think that could really. It's still very relevant today, and would be a lot of fun. And it would be a sidestep from the boomer shooters, if you know what I mean. Like yeah. I love a good boomer shooter, but you know there's a ton of them now, which is great. But Hexen was always kind of its own thing, and I think it could still be that today. Yeah, so a, I would like to see show. that. I think clearly Phil was Phil... wearing a Hexen shirt. Yeah, at E3. I I know. I I I saw that, and I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> bring Phil it. Clearly agrees. Um, yeah, I think I think like for a lot of people, like the potential for those revived IPs is is a really tantalizing prospect. I get DMs all the time, like, will this game come back? Will that game come back? And um, you know, there's, there's like entire YouTube channels that are sort of f f dedicated to some of these franchises, like. Crash Bandicoot or even Spyro, like a lot of these games are sort of, you know, either dormant or they've been sort of experimented with mobile or other genres in, the, in regards to Crash. But um, I suppose it gives Microsoft a chance to get some of that nostalgia that Sony and Nintendo have in droves, but Microsoft kind of yeah. only has with Halo to some degree. Um, I feel like they, they, they have more than they think, but they just won't do anything with it. Yeah, maybe. my feeling. Like, the Xbox treasure chest is full of great stuff, and I feel like it's been largely abandoned. That sucks. Yeah. So, especially if you go back to the original Xbox. We do have a question in chat from the Scarecrow, 121. He wants to know, uh, John, 
How yeah. did you and Richard plan out handling the Series X reveal and visit? Is it hard to remove excitement from the experience of seeing something for the first time? Yeah. <laughs> it, it It is hard, absolutely. But I guess there was enough distance between all the different bits of content and just, you know, it kind of... In a way, also, you get really worn down after one of those trips and you come back and you're like, all right, let's just get to business. You know what I mean? <laughs> like the initial excitements when you're there and then you come back and it's like time to do the work. Uh, but that was an interesting opportunity. I really enjoyed seeing it early and it also gave us some insight into this was actually critical. It gave us a lot of insight into what they were thinking at the time in terms of what they wanted to do with the platform. And some of the things they showed us never even came to fruition, which is also interesting in its own right, I would say. Like both the, there's the Minecraft path tracing on Xbox, and then there was also the resolution boost feature, which we got to actually control ourselves. So, I mean, I saw it working. It was a thing. It just never actually came out. What do you what do you think? Oh, they never, never released the market. No, exactly. So the demo they gave us was uh Gears Ultimate Edition, which is a 1080p game because it was made for Xbox One, not One X. Uh and they showed us it running at native 4K with image quality enhancements. And oh, it was wow. awesome. I thought it that was really like, good. I thought that was automatically that, baked into that did not happen. Mm-mm. None of this game. forgot about that. So, That's different okay, from like the, the Hoochie method, right? That they use for the 360 so, games. So, just to clear it up, so Xbox original Xbox, not Xbox One, original Xbox and Xbox 360 games, they do get a res boost, but Xbox One games do not. Okay, they some of them have FPS boost, but none of them have the res boost. That's why you know Red Dead it's a 360 game. That's 4K, right? but you're not going to find any actual original Xbox one games that get the res boost, which is something they did show us. And that's, I'm still a little bit confused. There must've been something that happened or they shifted focus to FPS boost, or I'm not sure exactly, but clearly, you know, something changed at some point. And yeah, probably if I had to guess, it's more because, because the Xbox one X existed after four years of the Xbox one, a lot of games people would have wanted to play already had one X patches. So maybe they decided, well, all these older games that were just Xbox one supported and did not receive a patch. It's not worth it just for them. You know, maybe yeah, right. makes sense. It, so, it's kind know, of interesting. Like how It's kind of interesting how like a lot of what the series X was supposed to be or what they demonstrated it as being kind of didn't pan out. I remember when right yeah. in the review they made like a big deal about ray tracing and like the only I think the only example was like a really poorly optimized Watchdogs Legion. Yeah, like man, I remember turning that on for the first time and and looking over the Thames River and it was just like these huge pixelated shadows just washing over everything, making it look hideous. Mm -hmm. I'm like, hang on, this is this is what ray tracing is supposed to be, um, but yeah. Ray tracing is a tricky one because obviously this this AMD compute method for doing RT isn't the, like the fastest thing, especially in these consoles. It's gotten a lot better in their newer GPUs, obviously, on the PC, uh, though that's an area where NVIDIA obviously has a gigantic lead still. But um, picking and choosing the right ray tracing effects and 
how you implement them is really important, right? Uh, yeah. And we've seen some great examples, like Metro Exodus Enhanced Edition, for instance. That's a 60 frames per second game with gorgeous RTGI. And it's phenomenal. It looks, it looks and runs like a dream on there. Um, and there's plenty of other games where we have super high-end ray tracing features, well, for the console, that actually run great. Uh, but you've got to keep it within scope of that machine, I think. And that's a little bit tricky. Yeah. Obviously. Right. What are um, some? Oh, sorry, go on, Brad. I was just going to ask a, a Patreon question, Jez. Oh, sure. I feel like this is this is something that's been a talking point for the new generation, and will be for a while. So I'm I'm very curious to get John's opinion on this. Uh, Deadly Headley says in the Patreon, he says, "Hey guys, thanks for all the hard work you do. I really appreciate it. Uh, and congrats, Randon, hitting 100k. Thank you." He says, "John, I'm almost certain you've been asked this before." but the Xbox Series S seems to be an ongoing bone of contention with the Xbox community. With some hindsight, do you think that the Xbox Series S was a mistake on Microsoft's behalf? Or do you think that despite it, being, despite it posing additional development challenges and difficulties in achieving su substantial parity, it's more important that Microsoft offers a lower barrier of entry into its ecosystem than its competitors? So here's the, the dreaded Series S question, you know? Um, mm. that has been uh, a topic for since 2020 when it was announced, when it was pro when it was Lockhart, and I'm sure it will be talked about until the system dies and Microsoft stops supporting it. So, um, you have any any thoughts on the the these questions? Well, first, the Series S was one of the hardest embargoes we had to keep because it was so long. Because mm. we saw that back in March 2020, and then I think they didn't reveal it till September. Yeah, and it was revealed on by mistake, right? Right. And Brad like, Sam's leaked it. Yeah, there something? was some kind of thing, but like we just had to sit on that, and people were asking questions all the time about, and we're just like, oh, well, who knows? <laughs> so that was a uh, that was something. Uh, I actually think the Series S conceptually is a good idea, and I think they needed something like that in the marketplace. But I think that there, some of the decisions with the hardware have potentially become an issue specifically things like the amount of memory on board uh, which makes parity in certain areas really difficult to achieve that's actually been one of the bigger limitations into why you don't see more ray tracing on series s it's it's more to do with memory than anything else uh so and also more memory would have allowed them to use like the one x path for a lot of games and for backwards compatibility, that would have been nice at launch. Uh, but still, I mean, I kind of... Oh, man, that's tough. I Because I, here's the thing with that. I think we all kind of speak from this place of privilege in regards mm. to, like, these machines, right? Like, we have access to all these consoles. I need them for work, right? And uh, you guys do too, but also for fun. But, like, yeah. you know, obviously there's this... There's, a, there's been a cost of living crisis in recent years. You know, things are difficult out there. And having a lower priced machine like the Series S, I think, is uh, an important thing. And the cost of consoles have gone up. And due to part shortages, as we've seen, they're not, the prices really aren't coming down, are they? Like, they're no. staying high on the more powerful machines. Uh, and so 
the Series S kind of slots right into the the whole Game Pass strategy, I think, because it does kind of become this somewhat low cost entry. Well, I say quote unquote low cost. It's still not the cheapest, right? Like that's still a decent ask for a consumer, um, but it's affordable enough. And if you get into Game Pass, then yeah, you've got some pretty you have a pretty good value box. It's kind of like having like your own. I kind of look at having a cheaper Xbox with Game Pass on it. It's like having your own personal blockbuster. If I want to look back 20 years, because you just have all these games here all the time with like access to them. Right. And not everybody needs to own every game. They don't need necessarily even need the discs. I mean, that's my thing, but I recognize it. There's a, there's a, the audience is quite a bit wider in that regard. So I think it was this in that sense it was absolutely the right thing to do uh, for the audience. Right. Yeah. You're uh, just thinking maybe needed more memory. Right. Yeah, I just think some but again, knowing these consoles take so long to engineer, you know, it's a moving target as far as like when they're going to hit the market and like what the cost of the components will be when it hits. So they had to make the decisions they had to make at that time. And a lot of the stuff, you know, in hindsight it's like, yeah, that would it would be nice to change that, but um, you know, again, they did what they had to do at the time. Uh, for me, you know, Series S, it's not the machine I would be using normally. I only have a Series S for work, basically. It sits on the shelf most of the time otherwise, because I would just, you know, if I'm playing Xbox, I'm using the Series X, right? Yeah. But again, that's speaking from a place of privilege. The, like, the, pri- the privilege argument is really quite something that I feel really came home during a couple of weeks ago, two or three weeks ago now, Microsoft decided to leak all of its stuff, everything. Leaked its yeah, entire roadmap. Yeah, the deal, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> leaked the next-gen consoles, leaked revisions, and, um, you know, like, there's supposedly there's going to be a, a mid-gen upgrade with faster, faster I.O. or something like that, like small refinements or something. But, um... One of the things that really slammed home to me, and this is something that I honestly didn't expect, was that the Xbox series, the Xbox current gen install base is seventy five percent Xbox Series S. Like I, oh yeah, I did not expect that personally. Well, that's um, not actually true though anymore, though, Jazz. Isn't it's it not true? Is it not? Not true. No, no I thought because... it was a a little higher than that actually, right? Well, actually, it's fifty fifty. Oh, it's actually it's fifty fifty now, really. Matt Piscatella of MPD and like uh, Z Huge had come out. Is that in the United were... States though? Matt, Matt only looks at the United States. No, he? I know, but I'm pretty sure Z Huge also came out and said worldwide it's pretty much they're pretty because I guess there was a more of an influx of Series X consoles and Series S after 2022. But yeah, there were charts of 2022. So that diet was, was out like of diet s- then. The seventy-five twenty-five, but it was a it was a year out of out of out of uh you know out of date. Well, and even then, still, like the fifty-fifty is it's, quite it's a huge. It's more like fifty-two forty-eight now. Interesting. Closer to I, the split. I'm not uh, up to date on that, but that's good. To, that's interesting to know if that's uh. The thing is, though, is I, I've I always kind of assume it's not just the price difference; it's also availability. I feel like the Series X was actually rather difficult to get for for a while, yeah. right? Yeah. Like the, like the Series of, S was always available, right? Yeah, Series S was everywhere. You could not get a Series X. No, like it wasn't until 
this year i think it was even this year that i saw my first like series x in the store on a shelf which was uh, it was like wow here it is in person i'd never seen that before uh but series s it's been out there for a while right so it's just more easily accessible and it's i think series x has obviously become more available in recent months in the last year or so i guess so and it would make sense that it would pick up especially you know as we're getting further into this generation we're starting to see where the chips may fall for some new releases uh and series s is not always delivering the best version you might want yeah i guess we could say and sometimes it does that's the weird thing about it absolutely isn't the assassin's creed mirage port really really good or am i i think that's pretty good on there um i would say you know by and large the series s hasn't actually fared that bad uh and it a lot of times it just comes down to cutting some visual features and then it ends up running similarly like i think jedi survivor which was kind of a mess on everything when it launched was actually probably pretty stable on series s it didn't have the ray tracing features, but it like ran pretty consistently. I guess given like if you had if you had all the time in the world to make a port and didn't have to like take into account uh release date and money and resources, Series S would probably be doing we'd be doing really well with everything, but there's always gonna be trade-offs, right? Yeah. That, that, exactly. that was kind of a question I wanted to I've wanted to ask you for a while, or somebody at Digital Foundry. Okay. Um you know, there was a lot of hype leading into this generation, 2020, when talking oh, about yeah. PS5, Series X, and Series S. And we're three years into the gen, you're almost coming up on the fourth holiday. Do you feel that the systems have lived up to their potential, or or we have, or have we yet to see uh, the potential realized? Uh, because some people will be like, "Hey, ray tracing is like." is really a gimmick on the consoles. Nobody really does it properly outside of maybe Insomniac or Turn 10 with Forza Motorsport. Um, a lot of people feel let down uh, mm-hmm. by the consoles that nobody's really leveraging RDNA 2 and all the features that it, you know, uh, that Microsoft said would be in the system. And, you know, there's been a lot of cross-gen games, which maybe impacted that. Do you, how do you feel? Does, do you think the systems have lived up to their potential and promises that both Sony and Microsoft, uh, you know, basically sold the systems to us in, in 2020? I would say the systems themselves have, but what we've run up against instead is uh, the reality of modern game development. Games take significantly more resources to create these days. Uh, and when that hit during the pandemic as well, that just compounded everything and made it so much worse. So, like, we're now at the point where, like, any big game is going to take, it feels like, three to four to five years, sometimes more. Um, Like, the old way of, like, I love the way old console generations went, but I also recognize that that's just not realistic anymore. Because, well, we've reached this point where people want, like, a certain level of stuff in their game. Like, they want animations to be a certain way. They want X amount of content in their game. Things have to be, like, X percentage more ambitious over the last thing. And all of this stuff takes so much time now. So, I wouldn't say the hardware itself is disappointing. It's more just, like, it's this cold realization that, oh, yeah, 
games are taking a really long time to make now so that kind of excitement we used to expect from a new console not that feasible anymore you know what i mean and i think Mm -hmm. it's just i i don't think this is going to change this is just where we are at now this is what games are this is what they take to make you know for and uh, i i don't see how it can actually change significantly if anything you know they're they're obviously tools are getting better in some ways but like the sheer volume of stuff that needs to be done on every project is growing so yeah that's that's kind of where we're at i feel and i can see why somebody would be disappointed by this but you know that's that's one of the the things one of the reasons why i try to make the types of videos i do about modern games is to try to break down this stuff somewhat when possible just so you know people maybe understand what's going on here yeah i mean because you but saw a lot of that it, it's really hard you saw a lot of it when you know starfield was locked to 30 frames on series x people were like what the hell or even gotham knights 30 frames plague tale requiem 30 yeah, frames for a while the, the thing uh, about Redfall, frame rate though frames. frame rate is is predominantly i would say a design choice it's not a hardware thing um obviously there's a hardware component but a developer has to decide they want to make a 60 frames per second game and they're going to make decisions throughout development with that goal in mind and if you're not doing that if you're just coming in at the end of the project and be like yeah we're just gonna go for 60 unless you have a surplus of resources available you're probably not going to get there uh and this goes back i mean this is how console gaming has always been i mean you go back to this eight and 16 bit days. Most of those games are also 60 frames per second, but not all of them. But then you get to the, the origins of 3d, you know, PlayStation N 64, Sega Saturn, uh, getting any 3d was difficult back then, but some developers made those choices that they wanted to target higher frame rates, like 60 frames per second. And they, those types of games absolutely exist, and they made specific design choices uh, to get there. These days, you don't have to make sacrifices to that degree, but you still got to make sacrifices. And I think a game like Starfield, for instance, just it's clear based on their priorities with what they were trying to make that getting there would be really tough because I seriously doubt that 60 FPS on consoles was like their design goal from the beginning right and i think trying to get there after the fact is possible but really difficult just like the case with redfall for instance like i i think my guess i don't know what happened there but my guess is that they probably put off the 60 fps sort of like tuning until a little bit too late uh for any number of reasons that i have no idea of but by base by deferring that, pushing it down the line, you know, that makes that job so much harder to get there. And it's amazing that they actually did get there in the end. I'm sure that took a lot of work, which is pretty cool, actually. Yeah, it's 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 good to see that they, you know, said, hey, we're going to deliver this. And then they, they didn't just bail on the game because it'd been easy to bail on the game, right? And I, it wasn't I, very man, popular. I feel so bad for it. When 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 any studio ends up in that situation and they make something like that and it doesn't go the way they want, you know, I really feel a lot of empathy for them in that case. And I I don't like to see any of these games getting dumped on for it. It's more like analytically look at like okay what went wrong, why, what's going on here, 
Uh, I think that's important, but yeah. Uh, it is cool I, that they um, did not give it up, though, and they, they still got the patch out. I honestly didn't think... I, I didn't think they would. I thought that at some point they'd just be like, nah, we're done with this, but... When I, I spoke to... um, I spoke to some Bethesda people at... um, Well, I say I spoke to, but... I, I eavesdropped on the Bethesda conversation at um at the not E three event in LA this year. And um yes. they were talking about sticking <laughs> with the game. Yeah. They were they were talking about sticking with the game for years. And um, you know, that they, they wanna they wanna give it a redemption arc and stuff like that. So um, you know, who knows if they'll if they'll actually be able to deliver on that. Cause like you say, um, there wasn't a hell of a lot of people playing it. Like on Steam, it was it was in the like the day before the the patch dropped, and it was it was almost it was almost prophetic. You know, the, there was a bunch of articles talking about how it's single digit players and stuff like that. And then like literally yeah. the next day they dropped the patch. It was very very, very coincidental. That was wild. Yeah, but um, I'm just uh, Redfall especially always it bums me out because uh, I love Arcane's games. I think they're same. some of my favorite in the last decades. Yeah, uh, and I don't know how that game came to be. I'm sure that there was a push somewhere within Bethesda, the same the the same push that gave us like the the Wolfenstein Youngblood stuff and all that other like push to get this multiplayer games out there. And yeah. I can't imagine that it wasn't related to that. It had to have been. And that was my kind of just, conspiracy theory as well. Right. I, again, that's pure conjecture on my part. I don't have any insight into this. Yeah. But that's what it feels like based on what was coming out of Bethesda over the last years. And I think it was a mistake. I think that's not the types of games that Arcane makes. Uh, it's a shame that I'm. perhaps it's the result of what happened with Prey. It wasn't exactly a huge success, even though... It was darn near the top of my game of the year list the year it came out. I love that game. It was was real good. I I don't understand why that game didn't do better. It it had the the Bioshock nostalgia vibes almost in the intro, and then it sort of evolves into this absolutely, I don't know. Well, it's basically, it's a a System Shock style game. Uh, You know, it's a... immersive sim of course yeah and they came up with that new goo gun idea which turned out to be really interesting so allowing funny. a lot of creativity in how you play but it also launched with some technical issues if you remember yeah. uh, a lot of loading rate. from what i remember like the, the loading times were horrendous yeah. it had some frame pacing issues and various other problems that cropped up that were unfortunate uh, you know, I, they actually managed to greatly improve it but yeah yeah when it launched not great Except I, um, on PC. On PC, it was fine. I yeah, uh, when I think I reviewed the game, I think, and I never really picked up on the fact that it had these these loading times. And people were like, "Oh my god, you didn't mention the loading times in review." But it's like the what I actually like absentmindedly like this actually changed the way I review games. This review because I, I like absentmindedly when when I get a loading screen, I just go straight on my phone and see what's going on, on the Twitter. So like I don't perceive <laughs> the loading screens like some other people might do. But, uh, but yeah, Pro was great. Um, you know, there's uh, we got some other Patreon questions we could get to here, Rand. Oh yeah, um, to. we got one from here from Batman Beyond. He goes, "Hey guys, John, Bradshaw, uh, how likely is it that GTA Six will be 30 FPS on consoles?" <laughs> Even <laughs> oh my god, oh the million wow. dollar question for you there. Yeah. My favorite, like when you look at 
at whenever any company hosts a live stream these days and you open up the chat, which I normally wouldn't recommend doing, you're just going to see like a flood of GTA six, GTA six yep. in there. It's everywhere. So yeah, everybody's talking about GTA six still. It's hard to believe that that leak stuff happened. Uh, I don't even remember when it, when it happened, but it feels like it was a bit ago. Um, will it be 30 frames per second? That's difficult because we don't actually have a precedent right now for this i would say no i would say it's probably going to be 30 but i don't know what rockstar's cooking maybe they decided internally it depends on what they wanted to do from the beginning but knowing how they like to push visuals i feel like they probably would opt to do that instead you know what i mean like mm-hmm. you look at red dead redemption 2 man and that is uh that was pretty insane when it came out that was a very beautiful game and I have no reason to doubt that GTA 6 will not also be uh, that way. Well, yeah, he even uh, and the, he even says even on the PS5 Pro. So I guess there's something we got to talk about um, oh, yeah. the future, right? Um, mm. Well, t- I guess we'll we'll break it down by next gen console or mid gen upgrades. Like Tom Henderson has been reporting for a while that there's a PS5 Pro coming next year. And one of his re- reports was that a PS5 Slim was coming with a detachable disk drive, and that was confirmed today. Maybe we'll touch on that in a little bit. But uh, so mid-gen upgrades, people like. I think people seem to really like the One X. Maybe not so much the PS4 Pro. Um, I can't release. I had both, really? but I don't know. Hmm. From from like from my viewpoint. Maybe it's because of who I follow. I feel like people were higher on the One X than they were on the Pro. Uh, I guess um, maybe the the gap was larger. Like yeah. PS4 was definitely better than the Xbox One, but the oh, Xbox yeah, One X sure. was better than the PS4 Pro. I would say overall. So like, there's a larger gap between Xbox One and Xbox One X. Whereas you know, PS4 Pro is just like, let's make the PS4 stuff look better on a 4K screen. Yeah, and it did that pretty well. But yeah. But when he, when he, so like my earlier question to you about, hey, how do you feel the consoles have lived up to their promises? For a lot of people, they haven't. A lot of people are like, these consoles haven't lived up to their, uh, our expectations. Uh, mm-hmm. We need mid-gen upgrades. We need another X, Xbox One X, P, you know, PS4 Pro situation. And if you take Tom Henderson's reporting at face value, sounds like it's going to happen next year. And yep. if you take Microsoft's leaks at face value, sounds like it's they're not doing one. Um, I guess the big question is, do we need mid-gen upgrades uh, for this generation? Or do you think that... like for Obviously, Microsoft's making the bet that we don't, that developers will come to utilize all the features that are in the system, and Sony's making a different bet. Uh, how, how, do you, how do you see that playing out? For either one. Uh, it's hard to say, but it does kind of... I feel like if a PS5 Pro happens, and th- there's good reason to think it will, um, given that developers will still need to be targeting both Series S, presumably whatever the new Switch becomes, yeah. uh, as well as you know a regular PS5 and, uh, and the Xbox Series X, the, the PS5 Pro seems like a machine that would that you'd want if you want console games that are still targeting higher frame rates because effectively they'll have to target such a wide 
range of consoles that getting higher frame rates on such a machine seems like that that would be the thing they would do to differentiate it most often right so i could see that kind of becoming what it becomes known for uh as far as whether it's needed i mean that's you know i wouldn't say one thing's needed or not needed but it it could be useful for based on what we've seen thus far of unreal engine 5 based games now that they've started to arrive, the reality is sort of hitting home that, oh, there's going to have to be pretty serious sacrifices to get these games running on consoles, right? Like, who would have thought at the beginning of this gen that we'd be seeing an Unreal 5 game come out, like, hitting, like, 480p resolution on one of the machines? That'd be, like, Immortals of Avrium, right? Avrium? Yeah. 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 On the series I haven't S. played that game yet, but yeah, that was all the... Ra- but the funny it's, thing it's is, It's an though, impressive game, but yeah. The funny thing is, though, John, is nobody talked about that or mentioned it until Digital Foundry pointed it out. You know what I mean? I, I wonder if... I, I don't, that's an interesting thing as well, and that's like ignorance is bliss as well. Like mm-hmm. The thing is, though, is that the people that do notice this stuff want to know, but not everybody notices it. And... That's that's hard for me to to consider because I'm someone that's super sensitive to these things, uh, annoyingly so actually. And to answer the question on whether that affects the play experience, yeah, it does, uh, depending on what the problem is and the hardware platform. Like, it's sort of like expectations and how annoying the issue is. But I I do get bothered by that stuff pretty easily. But I mean, I think what people would say is like that game was just blurry. Whether you know right, the actual yeah. numbers or not doesn't matter, but if you look at it on any modern screen, you're just going to see, like, oh, that looks pretty blurry, right? And I think that's the case there, and I think we're seeing, like, getting decent performance numbers while hitting high resolutions in a game that's using Nanite and Lumen is going to be tough. Even the Matrix demo that was, uh, you know, it was around 1080p native render on PS5 and Series X uh, using TSR to get, you know achieve reconstruct up to a higher resolution and i was still having troubles hitting 30 frames per second yeah i was gonna say it was That's... really choppy when i tried it I yeah so i mean we'll see what happens although this is getting into the whole this opens up the whole other door about you know in-house technology versus unreal and stuff but we do know that a lot of developers are using unreal engine 5 and there's a lot of big things coming Unreal Engine 5 itself has improved, though. You know, it has continued to evolve. Things are getting faster. They're addressing issues. So, you know, it's tough for the early adopters as far as development goes, right? Because, you know, eventually you kind of get a lock in your project at a certain point, and that means you can't necessarily take advantage of the latest features uh, that could provide a nice speed improvement. I actually think the the Immortals of AVM guys did a pretty darn good job considering that they were the first console game to ship with all these features enabled that wasn't Fortnite. Mm. And Fortnite yeah. kind of doesn't count because one, it's an existing game, and two, it's Epic themselves. So how this performs with third parties is what's most important, I think. And yeah, it was... But there's there's new titles coming out soon. I think Lords of the Fallen, the reboot of that franchise, is out real soon. That's Unreal Engine 5. Uh, the RoboCop demo hit PC. That's UE5, I believe. Uh, and there's a bunch more coming. But that's... Man, I've been rambling a lot. I'm sorry. Well, I realize. Well, yeah. It's just like this I mean, stream of great. thoughts coming it's out of great. my head yeah. right now. 
I did. I would have a tangent because we were talking about mid-gen consoles, but you mentioned UE5, and I didn't even think about this before, but Xbox has a lot of UE5 games in development. A lot of their studios are working on Unreal Engine yeah, games. Yeah. Um, do you think that could potentially be a problem down um, the road and lead like people have been wondering when's Telblade, when's Avowed coming, and they're coming next year, but could the problems with the engine have pushed it further? I know they have the coalition and they talk about exchanging tech and all those sort of things with Unreal. Uh, oh, they're making a... their own game too, though. So <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, do you, do you, do you see like because Sony typically uses their in-house engines for their games? Xbox seems like they typically are using Unreal. Is, could that be a, a problem for? xbox or maybe trying to achieve 60 frames on some of these games oh man i stuff like that i i don't want to theorize on that without knowing more about what these what these developers are doing internally i mean i i think it's fair to say that it will be challenging for them no doubt depending on how they're using these features um but how challenging what problems they're facing i can't possibly know right now without seeing more of what they've actually done you know what i mean right yeah so I would just say that, you know, they're probably going to be considered second generation UE5 releases. And I'd imagine they're well aware of the state of some of the early titles and, you know, they know what's going on. They, they understand the challenges, no doubt. Will they be able to pull it off? I sure hope so. I have no idea how it's going to turn out. Uh, if I had to guess, I would say Series S is probably indeed a challenge, a, a huge challenge for a lot of them. Uh, just based on things I've heard as well, like not from any of them specifically, but that's probably going to be a big challenge for sure. But uh, I don't think we can draw any conclusions yet as to how those games will turn out. Being at their first party and as important as they are, and after getting the black eye from something like Redfall, I feel like Microsoft would be very wise to make sure that all these developers get as much uh, resource and assistance as they need to make sure that the product comes out polished, right? Yeah. That would be very smart of them to do, if possible. Yeah, I mean, one of the one of the things, like, often being touted about with regards to that is, you know, artificial intelligence enhancing... Oh, boy. Yeah, artificial intelligence and generative AI for graphics and, you know, NPCs, and, and you got, like, you know, how, how that could impact, you know, visual fidelity, potentially. One of the things in the Xbox leaks was um, the fact that the next Xbox was going to have a strong cloud component. Although honestly, I'm kind of wondering if that's still pan out at this point. Um, yeah. Do Do you have I feel any? Like no. Yeah. Do you have Do you have like uh, personal opinion on all that kind of stuff? There's been six thousand layoffs in the game industry this year, and in the US apparently, according to um, people tracking. Yeah, I've seen those numbers. Yeah. Uh. I I don't really want to get into the AI stuff too much. <laughs> I I think it's I think it's a minefield and I don't feel prepared right now to discuss it. Nah, completely. Right? I and I, I I don't want I don't want to blow myself up right now on that topic cuz it's a it's a very nuanced one. <laughs> it is a weird one. Um I just I just put through a report to our news team talking about how um they reckon AI will use as much electricity as the entire Netherlands by 2025 oh goody so uh there's there's that 
climate yeah, kind of nukes Microsoft's climate I... image as well. <laughs> they are going ahead with that. Oh man. Yeah. No, that that does feel like a something they might have thought about in 2020 and then have maybe walked back. Pivoted, yeah. I don't know. I think cloud stuff, man. I think cloud stuff is something that should be on a very specific case by case basis. I yeah. think there's an argument to be made that there are some ideas that could be interesting to do with the cloud, but designing a platform entirely around that, I think is a horrible idea mm. and they should not do it. Well, I'm, even in the leak, they have them, but switching from uh, AMD to ARC, or ARM uh, chips. Oh yeah. Which, you know, speaking that of the leaks, weird. I guess we'll just talk about uh, really quickly. If you, uh, I mean, cause we can't, you know, like it's the future stuff who really knows, but uh, do you have any thoughts about the Xbox Series X or S refresh or the PlayStation Slim that was just announced earlier today? Um, I mean, all of my concerns just center around, you know, my continued uh, love of physical media. I don't mm-hmm. want to see that go away. Yeah. You know, I, of course I want people to have their own options for digital, but, you know, I like having the option, so to speak. And... uh delightfully all digital that that definitely adorably 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 all digital that was the thing that i was like oh my god please tell me this has changed because that was uh that was not good that's not the thing i want to read and look i understand you know there there is a difference in terms of like audience engagement and how important physical media is to different audiences right i mean xbox is very services focused now i get that and they find a lot of success there uh you know nintendo i think still thrives on on physical media playstation's in this weird middle period where i'm not really sure what they're gonna do yet on that regard i mean they have they have not eliminated it but the way they're doing this add-on disc drive for the slim uh it's we'll have to see how that pans out at least it's like included in the main skew just as usual right the only difference is you can now add it to the digital one later, which is kind of interesting. So we'll mm-hmm. see what happens on that front. But I, as far as the Xbox refresh, I mean, I don't know what their current plans are, but it would be nice if they rethought that strategy and did not go uh, adorably all digital. Mm. Yeah, the adorably all digital is sort of a lot of people calling that out. No, I mean, the thing, it's like, even like with the backwards compatible program, right? Yeah, you can keep the Series X around, that, that's for sure. But, like, all those original Xbox games, 360 games, Xbox One games, you know, I have all those on disc. Uh, so that would be, you know, if future Xbox is shifted completely away from that, that would basically mean all of those games would be lost as far as, like, accessible on a modern Xbox from BC, from a BC perspective, right? That sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, um, it's it's a weird world we're moving into. Like, I was um, I started collecting vinyl a few a couple of years ago, because and it's it's been interesting watching vinyl because I, I never owned vinyl because I was just I was just a little bit too old, you know, where um um a little bit too young. Sorry, before that started, it it already phased out by the time I started getting an interest in music, and I got like a fairly big cd collection and i started getting into vinyl and i bought like a bunch of vinyls and vinyl record player because it's funny how like vinyls now outsell cds 
And I kind of feel like that's kind of the way that physical media needs to go. I kind of feel like they need to go, they need to yeah. double down on like collector's editions and making it collectible and so, maybe to maybe taking discs to order like they do with. I, so I agree with you in theory, but the, the problem is that consoles are proprietary, right? Like vinyl records play on, on that can play on any player that supports it. It's not like a proprietary format, right? True. So it's important that the that the console manufacturers still offer a method for using physical media if they take that away it doesn't matter how boutique you get like it's just gone it's over right yeah, that is true. like it it needs to have that option for it to remain viable and that's why i hope that it remains such because i feel like once you've crossed that barrier and you just eliminate that entirely uh that's really hard to walk back and i suppose I would um completely do that suppose the issue then almost becomes like it goes beyond simple game preservation and then it becomes like hardware preservation format preservation like what if they just stop manufacturing blu-ray like they then but stop manufacturing floppy disks and stuff like that um well so it's really a drm problem more than anything else right like that's what's locking us out you know, obviously preserving an, a f files digitally is probably the best way to actually preserve the files, right? Uh, it's DRM that's the problem. Yeah. On the PC as a platform, this is less of a problem because it's an open platform and there are ways to solve this problem. Uh, on consoles, that's not so much the case, right? Yeah. So, like, conceivably, if some of these marketplaces went away on a platform that hadn't been cracked yet, so to speak... Uh, that could that puts those games at risk for just like disappearing basically, and that yeah. is not good. And that's why I was so against something like Stadia because that platform was a hundred percent cloud, and it's like as soon as they pulled the plug, which they did, uh, everything's gone. Yeah, like you don't you do not have access to those games at all. It's just they get to decide what lives and dies, and that sucks. Uh, so yeah, a lot of yeah. those games just vanished, and we see we see this with Netflix now too, where. Oh, Netflix, 100%. Um, that's... Delete, Netflix and Disney Plus just straight up deleting shows from existence. I, that's why <laughs> I wonder, I, I, I feel like this is starting to filter out enough to the general population now. Like, I've heard enough random people talk about this phenomenon of, like, shows just disappearing forever and yeah. being, like, really annoyed by it. Like... Like, maybe there's something that helps there. I don't know. It's, but that is a terrible thing when they can just pull the plug on a show and decide not to sell it to you. And once again, the only way to get access to it is piracy. And the pirates have to save the day again, which it shouldn't have to be that way. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's how it goes. Maybe the European Union will come through with some crazy legislation that app upsets Apple. Hmm. Like, it happens a lot. It happens most often on mobile, doesn't it? Mobile games disappear oh left, right, center. Dude, and it's so bad. Not only do they just, just disappear from stores, but like they stop running on newer devices or updated things. They just break. And keeping the old devices running is actually difficult with those yeah. batteries. I found like if you have like older Apple hardware, uh, if the battery has reached a certain point where it's not in good enough shape, you can't even run the devices on on AC power or like you know oh, wow. an outlet. You can't run it on mains power. Because it needs enough battery to like even function, it'll just get into an endless boot cycle where it won't start because the battery's totally flat, uh, which sucks, right? 
Yeah. That's actually, yeah. this is actually a concern I've had with the Switch as well, long term. And for now, it's okay because replacements are made. But like, that's a system where if the battery doesn't work and you try to plug it in, it doesn't seem to be, you can't power it on. It just doesn't work. Yeah. And, oh, man. The whole, this is too much of a conversation for, for tonight. But like, <laughs> this yeah, whole thing about like hardware failures and like, because I've been, I'm deep in the retro scene. I'm really invested in like keeping old hardware alive. You know, yeah. I am not afraid to open up a mega CD from like the early 90s and get in there. And we, we've learned all of its faults and flaws. And not me specifically, the much smarter the community, community has figured these things out. You know, great modders and, and just engineers and all these alike have figured, okay, these are the weak points of these machines. This is how you fix it. These are usable, user replaceable parts, but as you get to these newer, higher end machines with these fancy SSDs and such, that actually starts to become less feasible. And there's even, a point where we can't even repair our consoles anymore, and that's that sucks. We even have a question uh, in the Patreon about uh, your retro stuff. Uh, Silas oh. is John, having played games for over forty years, like Rand. Your DF retro series is a favorite of mine. How do you decide what games to spotlight, and how difficult are they to produce? Oh man, uh, deciding what to spotlight kind of just comes down to like where I'm at at a certain time when it comes to time to decide, you know, like if I stumbled in or started playing something again and I'm really into it, I'm just like, heck yeah, I love this. I want to, I want to cover it. You know what I mean? It's, it's really comes down to that. Although for some of the bigger ones, it just takes a little more planning where it's like, okay, this is something I will want to cover. And I almost save my energy for it until it's about time. You know, it's like, okay, I want to replay this right now, but I'm actually going to wait until it's almost time to produce the video so that I get that that boost of energy. As far as how long they take to produce, though, those take the longest because I care about them the most. Uh, you only do um, way too much time on them. You only do 3D games in DF Retro? No, I do, I do anything. Can I, can I make a there. request? You can make a request. Can you do Plock? Are you kidding me? You want me to do pl- Okay, you know what? I'll give you this. Plock has <laughs> an amazing soundtrack. Yeah, man. I love that, that soundtrack. Dude. There's some like there is some like that modern remixes theme? of that. Oh my of god. The, the boss the boss theme, man. The boss theme in Plock goes really hard. But yeah, man, you could, more people need to talk about Plock, man. The thing is <laughs> is I feel it like I was not I was barely aware of Plock outside of its soundtrack for a long time and then like I came to Europe and I'm like wait people in Europe freaking love Plock <laughs> the UK especially I hear a lot of people from the UK talking about Plock I, I don't know and then it was just and then it sent me down the whole the whole of like Dizzy games and like Manic Miner and all this I'm like the Specky and I'm just like <laughs> there there was a whole nother world that I didn't know anything about yeah, like I, I think Pluck in the UK was big because it was. I, I got into it because it was advertised in Blockbuster, Blockbuster Video. Oh, I oh. rent, I rented Pluck. I never owned it. I didn't, I didn't own many games, especially Nintendo, because they were so expensive. So you just rent them yeah. from Blockbuster. I think Pluck had some kind of marketing deal with Blockbuster in the UK. So maybe that's why, because I discovered it from a poster in Blockbuster and. It's interesting you mentioned Dude. that Brits always go on about Plock, and maybe that's what they it do. is. Yeah. Dude, if you that'd be amazing if you just connected the dots there. 
Yeah, because I've always wondered about that. I'm like, why did, why is everybody <laughs> always talking about Plock? Iran probably doesn't even know what Plock is. Do you I know? Have what no clue what you guys are talking about. Plock is this like Plock. it's this it's this it's this awful platform, <laughs> frankly. He's it's, a red thing with body parts that he yeah. can throw, kind of, uh, and it has good music. That's all, that's all you need to know. It okay. kind of, it's kind of like Ray Rayman at home. All right, that that's good. That's good. Yep, but, yep. but he could also he could also wear suits like Mario. So like you could you could right. get like a parrot where like okay now you, first you're like Rayman dude, but now but now you got a gun. You Doom guy now. You know. So there was yeah, like yeah. There was these power ups. The, the game was clock. Oh, it was just weird. It was like it was like an, some of the LSD kind of inspired kind of game but anyway let's uh off on a slight tangent there how long have we got because uh, because otherwise we could go on all night yeah we should probably wrap up fairly soon it's getting a little bit later yeah, over cool here for me. Because, I, just, I just i i have like two more really short patreon questions for you let's get through those go for, wrap up. go for it dude um stronzo and i think me and you talked about this beforehand but i figured you know get your thoughts on the public record stronzo says john how do you keep your sanity interacting with fanboys online? I see you on forums and Twitter taking them on head to head sometimes. Your bravery is admirable. Um the I console say, war, you know. I like would say war. that surprisingly in many cases those things end up turning more positive in the end. I always like to think that it's not 100% true, but this a lot of people, if you actually stop and talk to them, you can you can find the good, and you guys can come to a, we can come to sort of like an understanding. Uh, that's not always possible, obviously, and sometimes it just gets out of control. But yeah, I mean, why do I get out there and do it? It's mainly because like uh, I work from home, and I need like having feedback for the work that you do when you're sitting by yourself working on these videos all the time. And then it comes out, you want to talk about it, right? And engage with it. And a lot of times it's just misunderstandings. And I foolishly think, oh, I can correct them and show them uh, why this is not the case. That's that's actually probably my biggest mistake, thinking that you can <laughs> fix that. But uh, sometimes it works. Yeah. Well, you and Jez but... even had a misunderstanding. Absolutely. Uh, we did. That... So. Oh, was God, a... yeah. Oh, that was oh, a while ago. God. But, yeah, man. That's, that's, I remember now. That's the kind of thing, though. It's like <laughs> if you just let things go, then it just everybody walks away mad. But if you actually stop and try to chat about it, you, in many cases, things turn out for the better. And it's like, yeah, I, you know what? Yeah, we're cool. I, I, I remember. Like, I remember now. I forgot actually initially. I forget a lot of things. But like, I was gonna say, like, when when you when someone's coming at you in bad faith. You can kind of tell a lot of the time and like, oh yeah, you know, that there's just, they're coming at you with an agenda and it's, it's, it's the, the discussion is more about them sort of solving some kind of psychological issue they have potentially yeah, when, yeah, when, yeah. when someone is genuinely sort of the mis there's a misunderstanding. Maybe it only takes like a couple of, couple of replies oh, to sort yeah. of fix stuff. I get fanboys in my, in my DM sometimes. And I'm just like, I, ju I just say, why do you think this? And they'll tell me like, oh, X, Y, Z. And I'll be like, well, that isn't true. Cause I said this and that and whatever. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry. You know? And that, that's how like 90% of it, I feel goes when yep, you yep. interact with some, 
some of the more passionate elements of our illustrious community. Passionate, yeah. Passionate, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's a, uh, it's a weird thing, but it is what it is. We have our uh, buddy achievement asking, John, as a retro game advocate, which Activision or Blizzard game would you like to see brought to the back and pat oh. program? Oh, to the back and pat program. Oh man, let me think about that. Oh. For me, it would be Singularity. I was thinking that too from Raven. Yeah, I do like Singularity. That was pretty cool. I'd like that to come and have you know sixty FPS patch into it. Yeah, FPS boost because uh, you could like you could say the Spider Man games, but like they would never get the licenses for those, so they wouldn't be there. You know, like because uh, there, there's a bunch you could do, and I I wonder if. You know, mm. we mentioned before ABK closing. If they, you know, are gonna have a, if they went back and oh, did some work on some back and pat stuff, now that they would have the licenses or uh, that ABK didn't want, you know. Yeah. What about um, man, some of maybe some of the old Bond games would be interesting. I mean, I would like to see. Is Blur com- Blur is not compatible, is it? I don't think so. No. I'd like to see Blur with 60 FPS FPS boost because uh, the PC version of that is still kind of messed up. Uh, and I freaking love Blur. Blur is... Whew, but that's also... Uh, that developer is sadly no longer with us. No. Those bizarre creations of PGR fame. Uh, they did that. Um, they, no, they, also, they also did a Bond game. Uh, I'm forgetting the name of it. The Bloodstone, Bloodstone no. 007. Oh yeah, that's right. I didn't actually play that one. But... That one's not too bad, actually. It's better, better than its reputation would lead you to believe. But stuff like that would be interesting. Um, actually, Quake Four would mm. be fun because, like, that's an uncapped frame rate on 360. It runs like garbage on 360, but it's yeah, uncapped, that's an id means... game. But Activision published it, right? Uh, it's Raven. Oh, Raven did it. Okay. Raven and it together, but it was Activision published. Yes. I think they had, uh, they must have, hmm. Actually, I don't know the deal behind that, actually. Other than Activision, I think also published Quake 2. Did they? Maybe not. I can't, I can't remember. No, they published the uh, Hexen 2, obviously, and the Hexen, whatever. That, that, the, the 90s is a mess with licensing on that, all that id stuff, I would say. Yeah, licensing um, is a huge pain. You know, you know it's going to be funny. Not not for you, because you said you're busy doing the Digital Foundry video for Spider-Man 2, but if all of a sudden Microsoft was like, a deal's closed and here's 15 Activision Blizzard games and back and pat, people are going to be like, where's the Digital Foundry video oh, to man, test it? I mean, and they're going to be like, John, get no. on this. Hey, well, Brian, see, that's a... what, are you, what are you talking about? He's already got it done under embargo, right? Oh, oh, it's under right, embargo. Okay, right, right, John? Yeah. Right, John? Yeah? No? Uh, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> but a- after that, though, I mean, after this, I'm probably going to move on to some a pair of 2D side-scrolling games. Mm. One may start with an M. The other might start with an S. I don't know. But that's, that's what I'm lining up for next. Interesting. So, we'll get you out of here on this question. Um, I was going to, you know, there's no point in asking what you're playing because you said Spider-Man, you can't talk about it. Oh, I mean, I am playing other stuff, but yeah, oh, go ahead. Okay. Well, I was going to ask you, what has been your favorite game of 2023 so far? Oh, man, that would be a spoiler for my game oh, of the year list. Okay. Uh, well, but I right mean, now, for me now, you know, right, like... right now, I'm, I'm super into East 10 Nordics. Mm-hmm. 
uh, from Falcom, Nihon Falcom. That just came out a couple weeks ago. Uh, ah. I picked it up on the way out of Japan, and I've been playing the heck out of it. And I, I love the E-series, but was disappointed that. with 9 uh, for some of its decisions, even though I'm... St- but, uh, man, they're basically... It's, uh, it's, an, it's a very well-known, famous Japanese action RPG series uh, from, like, the 80s originally. And it's known for just, like, it's amazing music and just, like, this, like, wonderful adventure tone. Like, you play as Adol, uh, the adventure, and just, like, it's just got a, a feel and a tone to it that I really like. And this one in particular, I, I'm liking the story, I'm liking the environments, even though uh, it's it's very Blue Skies Island kind of this time. Actually kind of makes me think of something like Sea of Thieves, but more, you know, in Japanese style. Because uh, there is actually now a boat sailing mechanic, which is cool. Because okay. boats have always been a big part of the series, but you never really like commanded your boat across the ocean, and now you can do that. Uh, if, if I was going to, uh, oh, yeah, go on. continue. Sorry. If you if you're going to start the series, yeah, so it's the side by side. Go go hunt down Ease the Oath of Infelgana. It's what? that what? one. It's on Steam. Um, and it is the Oath in Ag- I found it 2012. It's only 12 yes. bucks. The Oath in Felgana, yes. That game, this so the newer charming. ones are obviously more full 3D, but this one is from like the mid to like it's it's pretty old at this point, right? Like it's 20 years old almost. So this is this is a bit more retro, but it's it's an awesome action RPG, great Dude. music, uh, fun gameplay. This is like it's really giving me like breath of fire vibes with the mixture of 2d and 3d there oh uh, yes absolutely it does have that you know the polygon backgrounds with all the sprites uh it's it's really cool i love this game i'm gonna throw that in my backlog along with all the other games i'm never gonna finish oh man yeah i actually i picked up the switch port of felgana when i was in japan and i played all the way through it uh, on the flight back almost i got to just about the last boss and then the battery in the switch died rip rip but rip. yeah what but a game um, what a game i'm gonna but, um, I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna stick that on my wish list all right <laughs> it's good for steam deck there oh, you are you are you loving we use the isis rock revolution john the, I like handhelds. The, you think you you like seeing the Steam Deck and the I like the, I like all the, the handhelds right and all now. that stuff. I think it's really cool that that's taken off. Uh, not just because the devices themselves are awesome, but because it also means like PC games coming out need to have uh, a certain level of optimization, right? Right. Because like uh, they need they need to work on a low end handheld device as well, so. It kind of forces their hand into optimizing for that if they want that audience, of course. That is true. I didn't think about Which it. Which is good, way. right? That you know. Good. So, although I'm I'm amazed at what people are managing to get running on those things. Some of the games you like that has no business running on that, and then they do it, and you're just like, all right, well. <laughs> I was surprised that while cool. Diablo ran on the Steam Deck, I took that on a flight. Man, the. <sighs> Diablo 4 and the freaking always online aspect like that oh, yeah. <laughs> that really hurts that really hurts the Steam Deck side of things right where it's that like that is true this would be a like I just man all I want from that game is like 
the option to play your online character, but then also have an offline character, like your that'd own private game, that'd right? Be, like that be... would be that would be super rad. Like let people do that. Jeez, yeah. like it would be it's a different thing, right? It would be a separate kind of mode for sure. But I would love that. Yeah, especially Anyways, like, uh... for doing hardcore runs and stuff. But yeah, yeah. So let's let's not. Let's not yeah. keep John forever. We don't want to keep John, yeah, because we could go on forever. But yeah, it's it, really it fun. Was but, it uh, was fun. Thanks for yeah, having thanks, me. Thanks for ha- thanks for coming on, John. We really pr- Jez surprised me when he was like, "Oh, by the way, uh, John's going to be on on Tuesday." I'm like, "What? I didn't even know he was asking you." I was like, "That's cool." I wanted to talk to John for a long time, but thank you Surprise. for uh, joining the show. It was uh, it was awesome. <laughs> good fun, guys. It was great to be here yeah thank yeah, you so always much enjoy a good chat and uh yeah so thanks to everyone who's watching if you joined uh joined us live via patreon.com forward slash hb2 or you're watching the replay a little later on my youtube channel um thanks everyone for checking it oh. I, just, I just dropped <laughs> a load of stuff off the table great all right L- live professional podcasting there but um but yeah thanks everybody and we'll see you for the next one take care guys and thanks again john um and you can uh, check out john's socials in the description and we're out of here take care everybody see y'all